lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd Erzin is here with me, as is Aaron McIntyre. If you're wondering, we've got the Stevie Y captain's jersey. Throwback to the 1997 Stanley Cup champion Detroit Red Wings that broke, what was it, like a 50-year or 40-year year drought or something of winning Stanley Cups and then ushered in the era of Hockey Town. So that's the that's the jersey we're wearing today here on the program. It's good. All right. Thank it's you. good. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, you heard Todd. There's Aaron. And there's all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can email the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. You can look for us on MeWe, Parlor and Gab as well. If you're looking for clips of the show that you can sample for free and then share with others, go to Rumble.com slash Show. Again, that's Rumble.com slash Show. And again, that is D-E-A-C-E. We have a jam-packed show for you today. We will be talking with the attorney who represented the parents and students that sued Indiana University for the right to not be lab rats. We will talk to him. His name is Jim Bopp. He's been active within the National Right to Life for many years as well. He will be joining us here at the bottom of the hour to talk about that case and that ruling. Uh, Next hour, we'll get into Theology Thursday. We've got a few notes I'm going to be sharing with you from three different women, all trying to figure out how to navigate with their belief system the current cultural challenges. And we're going to let you hear their stories, and then we'll discuss them amongst ourselves. And then we'll play our weekly game of three non-political questions. All that and more, of course, coming your way. But first, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Dementia. Again, CNN and Joe Biden had a town hall last night. Joe, I'm not being solicitous, but you're always straight up about what you're doing. And the question is whether or not we should be in a position where you uh, um, are. Why can't the 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 experts say we know that this virus is, in fact, uh, um, uh, it's going to be, or excuse me, we, we know why all the drugs approved are not temporarily approved, but permanently approved. Yeah. That's underway, too. I expect that to occur quickly. The, the various shots that people are getting now cover that. They're, they're, you're okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Yeah. Moving on, Joint Chiefs Chairman General Mark Milley was back out there saying stuff. I want you to know, and I want everyone to know, I want America to know. Uh, that the United States military is an apolitical institution. We were then, we are now. And our oath is to the Constitution, not to any individual at all. And the military did not and will not and should not ever get involved in domestic politics. Biden's nominee to head up the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms thinks gun owners are a bunch of Tiger King wannabes. In their mind, uh, they might be confident. They might think that they're diehard, ready to go. But unfortunately, they're more like Tiger King and uh, they're putting themselves and their families in danger. And so what I would suggest is for those people who were first time gun owners, if they did go out and buy a gun, um, I would secure that gun locked and unloaded 
and hide it behind the cans of tuna and beef jerky that you've stored in a cabinet. And, um, you know, only bring that out if the zombies start to appear. Um, and I don't think they are. In completely unrelated news, one of the FBI agents who was involved with the alleged plan to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer is a wife beater. Police in Michigan say FBI Special Agent Richard Trask was arrested after nearly beating his wife to death after the two had attended a swingers party in Kalamazoo County. Again, this is one of the FBI agents involved in the all-but-fabricated plot to kidnap Whitmer. The CDC quietly revised the number of deaths after vaccination we told you about yesterday. Yesterday morning, the CDC claimed about 12,313 reports of death after the COVID vaccine. Later in the evening, they revised that number down to 6,207 deaths. Again, for unknown reasons. Checking in on how things are going in Oceania. Within hours, Sydney will be in the grip of much tougher restrictions. The Premier clamping down on the stubborn Delta outbreak with what she's calling a no regrets policy. And this is why. From a record 82,000 tests, the state today recorded 111 cases and tragically the third COVID death in this outbreak, a man aged in his 80s from the city's southeast. Across Greater Sydney, retail shops will now close. A small list of essential stores can remain open. Construction sites across the city shut down. And from midnight tonight, 110 suburbs across Liverpool, Fairfield and Canterbury-Bankstown will be sealed shut. That's 900,000 residents who can't leave their area, even for work. Whilst it is in human nature to engage in conversation with others, to be friendly, um, unfortunately, this is not the time to do that. So even if you run into your next-door neighbour, in the shopping centre, in the Coles, while you're at Coles Woolworths or Aldi or any other um, grocery shop, don't start up a conversation. Now is the time for minimising your interactions with others. From here on in, if you're out, outdoor or if you're required to wear a mask, um, if you don't wear a mask for what you say is a medical reason, you will be required to have in, on your body, on your in your possession, a letter or other evidence from a registered medical practitioner explaining that that is actually a true situation. Do feel free to visit at any time to clarify any rumour you may hear, covid19.govt.nz. Otherwise, dismiss anything else. We will continue to be your single source of truth. We will provide information frequently. Checking in on Sweden, who now says it hasn't reached double figures in daily deaths with the virus since June 5th, that's 47 days, and hasn't recorded a single COVID death since July 12th. Again, only 37% of that population is vaccinated. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Home Title Lock. You know, we've been warning you about home title theft. This is where cyber thieves can remove you from your home's title uh, and become the new owner because they've obtained through maybe a data breach some information about you, uh, a middle name, uh, a middle initial, a maiden name, the elementary school that you went to. I mean, the kind of thing that you would share in order to identify as you. Then they go online where your home's title is kept. Use that information. You know, like they get from a recent data, be data breach at Facebook, 500 some odd million accounts. That's probably a lot of people. Uh, then log on to you as, as you where your home's title is kept. Make it look like you've sold your home title to them via a quick claim deed. And before you know it, you're out. 
of all that equity that you built in to your home, maybe even your home. Don't let that happen to you. Uh, that's what our friends at Home Title Lock, they strive to uh, stop from happening. And if you want to get 30 free days of protection from them during this high-risk breach and also find out if your home's title has been breached and you just didn't know it yet, go to HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. And the promo code to get those 30 free days of protection is radio at HomeTitleLock.com. Yesterday, even by his own standards and by Team GOP standards, cocaine Mitch McConnell came out with about the absolute, mind-numbingly dumbest political messaging he could have possibly tried. Why? It's not because he's dumb. It's because he hates you. And I'm going to explain this again in detail. This is part of one of my life's goals is to detach as many of you from the lie that you are aligned with a stupid or cowardly party. Are there stupid people in the Republican Party? Yes. Were previous popes Catholic, Todd? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, Are there cowardly people? In the Republican Party. Aaron, was the Southern Baptist Convention formerly Orthodox? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to pick on everybody now. Fair? Fair. You okay with that? Okay. Um, yeah. So, um, but that's holistically not the issue. And to continue to go with that, you know, we toss this phrase around the big lie a lot these days. That's the big lie within our ranks. Now, a lot of my peers know this too. It just won't help their clicks to tell you. I don't care. I'm going to tell you. But I'm going to do that here, lay it out for you when I have more time in the overtime today for our Blaze TV subscribers. And if you are one, good news for you. We will record that overtime for you right after today's show as a way of saying, hey, thank you for subscribing. And here is an added extra incentive for you to hopefully keep doing that so we can hopefully keep getting paid. Uh, For the rest of you that aren't yet Blaze TV subscribers, you can go to the same exact website later today to become one or even right now if you want to subscribe and get a discounted subscription. That's blazetv.com slash dace, D-E-A-C-E, for blazetv.com slash dace um to the montage we go let's let's go to australia a country that is showing you what happens you know we we, we've tried to we've had this big debate on the right in recent years and some of it's manifested there's a there's a lot of new tentacles that are emerging on the american right and a lot of it frankly is a result of the failure of the republican party to conserve really anything of merit and so now what's happening is the republican party as an apparatus is a dead thing it's a dead thing uh that used to be the nickname for the red wings before Stevie Y got drafted, the dead things or the dead wings because they were dead for decades until he showed up uh, at the ripe old age of 19 and wore the number 19. The Republican Party is a dead thing on a systemic level. The, but but it, it, it still is the only vehicle that has access required to influence the political system for those of us on the right. 
And so even though on a holistic systemic level, it's a dead thing. What's happened here in the last decade, it was called the Tea Party. Then there was the libertarian moment. Now it's MAGA. Now it's sort of um, social conservative. MAGA has wants to be seen as something beyond Trump, which is smart because you're dealing with a guy that even if he is the nominee again, and I think he will be, is pushing 80, which means he's closer to pushing up daisies than he is to uh, being the primary vehicle to push a movement for the next 10 or 12 years. Fair? Fair. Okay. And so now they've kind of rebranded themselves as kind of a social conservative, I guess, nationalism. Is that is that an okay description? Very populist. Okay, like yeah. a, like a social, a populist, social conservative nationalism. Okay, <laughs> a nice try. <laughs> I, I, I know. I'm I trying know. to be as fair as I can be here. You know, and um, it ain't easy. And it, no, no, it ain't. Pimp, pimp it ain't easy, brother. As the great uh, prophet Big Daddy Kane once said, but it is necessary. So we're sitting here, and and what's happened is all these emergent movements have arisen. To, to take the philosophical, intellectual, at times maybe even spiritual place of the role the Republican Party played for decades as the primary conduit for all of these various inclinations that then joined with it in a movement. And now that this thing is dead, everybody knows it's dead. Uh, on a systemic level, now these things are attempting to kind of step into the head of the table and say, we're who the Republican Party is. A return to the to Reagan-era conservatism. A more philosophical, intellectual expansion of the issues that, of the combination of issues that Trump represented. Um, uh, you know, a, 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 a somewhat accessible version of, of liber- realistic version of libertarianism. A lot of the, the principles that an Ayn Rand articulated with an acknowledgement of the political realities. I would say Rand Paul kind of represents that. that is, yeah. Am I being as fair yep. as I can be? And so we're having this massive debate all the time of who are we? In fact, maybe we'll have that discussion tomorrow during the roundtable, I'm thinking. But that's a big debate of who is this? Who represents this party? What does it mean? And... Here's the thing I would say to all of them, because there's aspects of all of them I have some agreements with and aspects of all of them I have some disagreements with, which if you have known me for at least 10 minutes, probably does not surprise you. I don't have many friends. Regardless of which of these camps eventually emerges superior, and I, I'm not sure any of them would be. If I had to guess, though, the, the, the populist, nationalist, social conservative one has the best chance to re-inject some air into the dry bones of the GOP just simply because it's got the widest issue coalition. It brings in working class people. It brings in Christian conservatives that have dominated the party's ranks for many years. It, it's got a wider appeal. Libertarianism, to some degree, no matter how you try to amend it to the realities of the day, will always be somewhat of a niche intellectually, in my opinion. And then I, I think trying to return to an era of Reagan conservatism as someone who uh, grew up with him as a personal hero. Um, That often is defined, though, from a nostalgic point of view. 
or a, a stylistic one. Let's get a happy warrior as opposed to the stuff that Reagan actually stood for. And if you go and watch the speeches Reagan gave in the 60s and the 70s, not a lot of happy warrior there, folks. Not a lot. Sounds a lot like the great one, Mark Levin, getting worked up on his show every night is what Reagan sounded like in the 60s and 70s. Okay? So that tells you that you've kind of lost that identity. And now it's just with Reagan, it's about nostalgia more so than a tradition. But I would give a word of caution to all of these various emergent movements within the GOP striving for hegemony. If you think you can do this thing called freedom and liberty... Godlessly, look at Australia. Look at Canada, if you want to look closer. But Australia is shutting down because they had a record day of of tests, and it came back with a 0.13 positivity rate. 0.13. One person died, and they were 82. 82. And for that, you just give up all of your rights. Don't even talk to your neighbor. Don't breathe freely, as you saw in that montage. You give up what it means to be alive. To the self-described one source of truth. Yes, that, that's what they tell you when you go to the Jehovah's Witness Kingdom Hall, too. Don't read, don't read any other Bible translations and don't study it on your own at home. Only do come to the one source to tell you what it all means. Um, that's what it looks like when you try to do <clears throat> democracy godlessly. Oh, and without a second amendment, but you can do it godlessly with a second amendment and it won't look much different in the end. It might, at that point, everybody just starts shooting and it descends into chaos. You just have a Bastille storming and maybe we just replace a, a terroristic aristocracy with a reign of terror, like what happened with the French Revolution. That's the French Revolution. The American Revolution was our rights come from God, therefore government cannot take them away and must respect them. And in case you don't respect them, we have guns. Respect that. That's kind of the American Revolution in a nutshell, right? Sure. A little bit, yeah. Our rights come from God, not from government. And if the government doesn't want to respect that, then hey, respect the fact we all own guns. So how you like them apples? I like them a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's pretty much the American... I mean, there's more to it, of course. But if I was going to... If back in the old Twitter, it was 128 characters or less, really it came down yeah. to... It really came down to our rights come, come from God, not from government. And if you don't respect that, we have guns. That's basically your 128 character or less tweet summarizing the creed of the American Revolution. The battle cry. It's the only successful, I would argue, really the only long-term successful revolution in the history of the world. And I would argue that it's those two fundamentals that are why it's the longest existing experiment with human freedom in the history of the world too. And by the way, that's what only, what is it, 245 years? Mm -hmm. That's it. And in the grand scheme of history, folks, that's a wink. That's a flower in the wind. It's hard for us to be free because we're sinners. So whichever of you end up assuming control of the GOP, if and when that actually happens, be warned. 
godless democracy has no shot. And you're seeing it. You're seeing it in France with, with passport tyranny, vaccination tyranny in the UK, in Spain. You're seeing godless democracy. And now we've got people wearing our own jersey saying, asserting the founding ideals of the country is a Christian theocracy. Good luck. If you think you're going to out-impassion them, if you think you're going to out-emote them, if you think you're going to out-vopopuli them, I've got 7,000 pages of human history that says otherwise. The only time this has really worked is when we started with um, our rights come from God and then went to, oh, and then we have guns, if you don't agree. There has to be a plumb line somewhere. Somebody ultimately has to be in charge. And if it's really just my people versus your people, then you're really just, and that's what's happened in America, by the way. The more and more we have turned away from the notion of God-given rights, which was the linchpin of the republic, the more and more it just seems like we have these wide swaths of policy and what freedoms we have, like every election, right? And then you know we start looking at Obama had a pen and a phone, then Trump undid it all with his. Yes. Biden gets in and undid everything that Trump undid by going back to Obama's pen and a phone and worse. On and on. It sounds kind of capricious, doesn't it? A little bit. A little bit. You know, previous generations weren't sure how far to take the First Amendment. Does it apply to obscenity? And can we even define what that is, right? Now, if you're a baby boomer, you've lived long enough to see that debate go to freedom of speech. What is it? What is it? What, do we know what it is? Do we even want to have that? That's what happens when you depart from the plumb line of your rights coming from God. If they come from man, my mob versus your mob, the system, the government, then man, you're one election away every single time from tyranny. Every single time. And you're learning that the hard way and you're watching that play out the hard way in Australia right now. And several European countries. I mean, let's let's look at some of the latest data. You're being told right now about this huge spike of cases because of the Delta variant in America. Let me give you some perspective. The number of infected in America with COVID in the U.S. peaked on January the 31st of this year. That was the peak number. It has been in decline ever since that date. Even the current quote-unquote Delta variant spike that you're being sold represents, are you ready for this? 44% of the amount of infected people that we had in this country on January 31st of this year. 44%, not even half. Not even half. Run for your lives. How about, well, Steve, it's about the deaths, not the cases. And I, I actually agree with that. But the problem is they keep moving the target to whatever metric gives them the narrative they want. But we can look at deaths. COVID deaths in America, COVID daily deaths, have declined, are you ready for this, 89% since January 31st. And that's with us being stalled out at a 50% vaccination rate. 89% decline in daily deaths in America since we hit our peak of COVID infections in the country on January the 31st. 89% decline. Did you see what Andrew Boston reported of what's behind this whole 99% hospitalized are among the unvaccinated 
Have no, I've not seen that one. No. They're actually counting back to January 1st. When did we start vaccinating people, Steve? It would have been right around then, at the at, right around in January. Well, it was November, December. Yeah, well, that's where they, the people that were in Congress got vaccinated then. Mm-hmm. You weren't walking into a Walmart in November sure. or December to get a vaccine. The Gen Pop, that stuff really began but, in January, in earnest. But the Delta variant here now, I mean, that, they're conflating. Yes, because totally. we would have dealt with a completely different variant. And now we're getting data both... We now have data from uh, a study that was done in Thailand. We talked about this yesterday with the Chinese version of their with their Corona vaccine called Coronavac. There's the other study that was done by the Dutch that Aaron you cited that is being used that was looking at the vaccines we're using here in the West. They both show the same thing: decreasing efficacy for the vaccinated when it comes to the Delta variant. Now the good news is the UK is still seeing, despite that. A massive decoupling of deaths compared to cases. I think the next week or two, between now and the 1st of August, I think will tell us a lot about whether that trend line will continue to hold. So that is something to watch. All right, let me give it over to you guys. Thoughts on some of the points I just laid out. Oh, boy. At at moments, it's abandon all hope. You enter here, but I'm not allowed to do that. Uh, I could get to the, the feeble president with onset dementia in real time fumbling his way on a world stage while a black rich gay man who claims he's constantly being discriminated against by whitey uh, after he's done collecting a huge paycheck for having no ratings goes home to his white husband uh, and that how that looks like a, really a, a tombstone being erected in real time for a once great civilization i could do that instead if you would like yeah my favorite part about that was all the journalism that took place if you listen carefully the only two words that Don Lemon said in response to that was, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that's that's it. That's journalism these days. And that's why, listen, we are in the middle of a uh, civil war. The invincible ignorance is such that that you have you have no shot unless you are willing to fight. And I mean fight in a way you haven't before. You you must be savage. That doesn't always imply the physical. But you, you must bring a reign of terror, of truth and justice down on these people. That fool in Australia, that Karen is everywhere in this country too. You, and, and, and they believe that they are the one source of truth. And they hate you for saying otherwise. How, how, where do you, what enclave do you think you're going to be in a hiding? And even if you last that long, how about those kids' years? Where are they going to hide if you don't stop this? This is why it's encouraging. Just, um, you know, I was going to talk about this with you off the air, but I think next week we need to restart Daily Defiance again. Hmm. Kind of kind of paused that after some of the masks, uh, ma- mask mandates uh, rolled away. Um but specifically, specifically as it pertains to going to your school board, there is no excuse why everybody in this audience, and thankfully and really, really good uh, that I, I've already seen a few people sending me uh, some videos and sending us some videos of them or people they know um, speak, or at least them showing up to their school board meetings. We need that in mass because that's where the real fight, the real boots on the ground fight is going to be, as we've talked about, ad nauseum. But I think we're going to start that up with a 
with a specific focus on school boards. Starting, let's just say next week. Hold me to that. Since I'm saying that on the air now, now you got to hold me to that. Uh, now I got to set a reminder for myself so I don't rem- or don't forget on Monday morning. Um, but that's that's what we need to do. And it's not just enough to get away with no vaccine mandate, no mask mandate, um, get uh, critical race theory out of the schools. What is the issue that you're going to take take ground back on? Not just take background. Take ground on. Figure that out, and I'm sure we'll have more opportunities to do that, but there's no reason why everybody in this audience, no real reason, guys, no real reason why everybody in this audience cannot participate in their local local school board meetings and in just in their local schools as well, in their community. So that's, that's going to be the focus of the next round of Daily Defiance. If you need uh, a glass of wine after this first segment, uh, our friends over at uh, Patriot Wine have just the glass for you. Uh, it's got uh, it, it's been lab tested with ten times the longevity and heart health nutrient uh, uh, called resveratrol that you find in your average wine out there. It's also high high class foreign wine grown dark red wine grown from grown from Malbec grapes at 9,000 feet great for barbecued season steak season Uh, red wine goes great with red meat all three of us have tried these wines they all taste great too Uh, get 50% off shipping and both the wine too 50% 50% off of shipping and the wine today no pay you don't need a promo code just go to patriotwine2021.com that's patriotwine2021.com 50% off both the wine and the shipping at patriotwine2021.com. It is almost one of my favorite times of the day. Uh, it is almost built bar time and big news for America's best protein bar. And it ain't even close, by the way. Uh, they have become the official sponsor of the Olympic U.S. track and field team. And with Built Bar, you don't have to make the decision anymore. Between health and taste, you get them both. Whether it's up to 18 grams of protein, only 130 calories in a lot of these bars, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs in a lot of them as well. Even some of the specialty flavors that are more decadent, you go up maybe 2 or 3 grams of sugar, 2 or 3 grams of carbs, maybe another 10 or 20 calories, but you keep all that protein and nutrition. They all taste great. They're all covered in real chocolate. If you've never tried them before or you want to try them again, use my last name, Dace, as your promo code when you go to built.com, B-U-I-L-T, for Built.com for America's Best Protein Bar, and there is no close second. Built.com, use the promo code DACE to get 15% off. One of the cases we were watching here for the last uh, few days on this program involved mandatory vaccination at a public university in a deep red state, Indiana University, at or in the state of Indiana. Uh, A Trump-appointed judge did not rule the way that we had hoped in that case. The attorney that was representing those students and their families joins us now, Jim Bopp. He has worked uh, in pro-life circles for a lot of years as well. Jim, thank you for joining us here today on Blaze TV. How are you? Thank you, Steve. Great to be with you. Jim, first of all, tell us the the facts of this case and then how you got involved. Well, uh, this May, uh, Indiana University kind of sprung uh, a uh, requirement on all the students for uh, the fall semester, which is that they had to be uh, fully vaccinated with a COVID vaccine 
uh, obtain one of two very narrow and difficult to get exceptions uh, or leave school, be virtually expelled. Uh, I've done a lot of constitutional work and uh, in Indiana and across the nation, and I got contacted by a lot of students and parents who are very concerned about this. They felt like their rights were being violated, their, their right to bodily integrity and autonomy, their right to choose medical care. And, you know, after all, these students are not children, they're adults, and they have full legal rights to make medical treatment decisions. But uh, you were stripping of them of that and uh, in a context in which, you know, there were a lot of unknowns about potential risks and consequences or even efficacy of these vac vaccines. So, and then, and then you look at the context. Uh, uh, College-age students are the least, have the smallest risk of any adverse effect of a COVID uh, infection, where people over 85 have a 600 times greater risk of adverse effects. So why are you, you know, uh, mandating students when you're not even mandating the people tremendously more at risk who are over 85, uh, you know, mandating the vaccines? And of course, the, the final thing is the context. You know, we've gone uh, up the cur up the bell curve, over the top, down the bell curve, and it had pretty well uh, evened out at a level of really seasonal flu. So uh, even though there will be variations day to day, there, there you know nearly all uh, uh, you know vac uh, viruses uh, have mutations and have variants that come and go. Uh, you know, those are those are things that, you know, you normally plan for and, and expect, uh, but we are still at a very low level. And, and so the whole thing is just not justified. Why make them do this? When you got in, when you got your hearing before the judge, first of all, tell us about this judge. I mentioned he was a Trump appointed judge. Tell us about this judge. And then it, the questions that he was asking, did it seem as if he at least thought through the premise of we're, we're not talking about, you know, there's the whole precedent of forced vaccination for smallpox. I mean, for centuries in this country, in this world, smallpox would kill up to a half a million people at a time. The population was a fraction in the world of what it is now. It, it We have smallpox records going back to the earliest Sumerians, like the earliest recorded human uh, writings on this planet. It was with us for thousands of years. It's one of the worst killers of all time. Even at the time that we were able to all but eradicate it via vaccination, it still had a CFR of 30%. Currently in in the UK, the CFR for the Delta variant, they've been battling it there since the middle of May. Currently, their CFR for the, for, for the Delta variant is 0.2. It's just from a threat level standpoint, it's just not even on the radar screen. It's like comparing reckless driving to a serial killer. I guess both could kill you, but one of them is certainly far more assured. Did he understand some of these things, when, at least from the premise of the questions that he was asking? Well, he is a very intelligent judge. He uh, he expedited the cases we asked him to do. Uh, he had his people work very hard on it. I I don't fault the judge for his effort, his intelligence, and and I thought he asked intelligent questions to uh, both sides, uh, trying to probe the uh, validity of their position. Uh, the thing that he got wrong, uh, in my opinion, and that's why we'll be filing an appeal in the. Seventh Circuit tomorrow, 
uh, is that uh, is whether or not there were any fundamental rights that were being violated mm -hmm. by this policy. Uh, he said no. Uh, and basically uh, that, uh, you know, the, the vaccine mandate should be judged uh, on the same uh, rational basis as uh, a jaywalking law. And, uh, and of course, when you have that level of kind of non-scrutiny, uh, you, you, it's very difficult to win. Uh, we, we believe, however, that uh, everyone has a right of bodily integrity and autonomy. They, 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 you know, and, and what protects that right is your right to choose. That is to choose whether or not to have medical treatment. And, uh, and, and you're entitled to refuse to accept medical treatment, uh, except in the most compelling and extreme circumstances. And of course, you mentioned one, you know, the uh, smallpox uh, epidemic, uh, you know, went on for thousands of years. In fact, in the uh, 19th century until it was, uh, I mean, the 20th century until it was eradicated in 1976. In that century alone, it killed uh, 200 million people uh, worldwide. And of course, the population was smaller then uh, than it is now uh, of the world. So it, it was a terrible killer, uh, had a, a very high mortality rate. And interestingly, uh, a vaccination had been uh, found for smallpox uh, in the 1800s, uh, even before germ theory. And what they found out was that cowpox, which is a cousin of smallpox, but very benign uh, infection, and I had almost no mortality or morbidity. Uh, if you had cowpox, you were immunized from smallpox. So for decades prior to the 1900s, uh, they were infecting people with cowpox. They would cut open the skin, dump, you know, blood from an infected victim or some other fluid with it that was infected. And uh, people would get cowpox and uh, re have no problems, recover and, and be uh, immune. So we had a, a, a vaccine that was extremely effective, had no risks, had been tested for probably a century by the time it was mandated uh, in the early 1900s. Uh, and against a, a disease that was incredibly virulent and, uh, and, and you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of people uh, were killed over the centuries that it uh, really terrorized the world. Uh, now, none of that is similar to the situation now. As bad as COVID is, with uh, it has it has had four million deaths uh, over the last eighteen months, uh, at, you know, uh, which is terrible, and we want to do everything reasonable to stop that uh, and prevent that. But uh, it's it's not even in the you know it's yet light years away from uh, from count from smallpox. And of course, in nineteen oh five, the U.S. Supreme Court said uh, that Boston can require. Uh, the cow, uh, the well, it is a cow. It was the cowpox vaccine, but it was a vaccine to prevent smallpox, and the uh, uh, could require it. Uh, and of course, that was in the you know in the days before the incorporation of the Bill of Rights, uh, you know, against the states. It was the days uh, when a lot of our modern uh, constitutional protections were not recognized by the court, and uh, uh, it's just really. Uh, an antiquated decision. 
we should be uh, looking at current law, and current law certainly uh, protects the right of bodily integrity and autonomy, protects the right to, uh, to consent to medical treatment, uh, and unless there's a really compelling reason, uh, the Indiana University should, should be able to do that. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jim, but looking at the judge and his decision, it seems that he agreed with the premise that the state absolutely has the power to do this as a, as a principle, that this is within their enumerated powers to do this. And if I'm right about that, then, then if we're going to, because there's really two arguments here, does the state have the power to do this, period? Do you have, or do you have bodily autonomy? Because if it does, then the the whole conversation at that point then becomes about the threat level, and we get into an epidemiological conversation instead of a constitutional one. So, am I reading that correctly? You are reading that correctly. And the uh, now, now it is true, as the court said in 1905, that within the general police power of the state, that that includes uh, uh, requiring uh, vaccinations. Now, the general police power of the state is something that, uh, you know, state and local governments exercise all the time. You know, jaywalking laws, uh, you know, speeding laws, uh, you know, uh, don't run through the red, uh, red light. And those are all exercises of the police power. And within that would be uh, inappropriate circumstances and using reasonable measures, protecting the public health as a general proposition. Uh, but you, you have to recognize that uh, when you do certain things, uh, that certain exercises of this, this police power can violate constitutionally protected rights. And of course, the key one here is the right to refuse medical treatment mm -hmm. because a vaccine, vaccine is a medical treatment. And the court has recognized uh, the right to refuse medical treatment as being a very significant protected right that requires a lot of safeguards to to ensure that that right is properly exercised and 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 is exercised with the voluntary and informed consent of the patient after getting medical advice well indiana university is not a doctor uh, they're not in a doctor-patient relationship with right. these students right they're, they're, they haven't evaluated each individual student to see whether or not the vaccine is appropriate or contraindicated for uh, him or her. Uh, they're a bunch of bureaucrats and administrators. And, uh, you know, and so, uh, you know, this is a fundamental, you know, to mandate a vaccine, you know, uh, that's a fundamental violation of your right, right to uh, consent to medical treatment. I, now, I, I agree that at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, that justified violate, you know, there's a compelling reason to violate our rights. And, you know, they did that all over the place. Shut down businesses, required people to quarantine, even though they were perfectly well, prohibited them from traveling. I mean, you know, they were, you know, wear masks, social distance. I mean, they did a lot of rights violating. But uh, I think everyone thought at the time that it, there was a compelling reason. Remember that study right at the beginning predicted 2.2 million deaths in the United States mm -hmm. in the first year. Yeah. Well, that's a lot, and a lot can be required in order to prevent that from happening. Now, it didn't turn out to be true, and now we find out actually the study was bogus, but in any event. 
Now, but now we've gone up the bell curve, we've gone to the top, we've come down the bell curve. In other words, we're in the point where the, what CDC calls recovery. And in recovery, you, you eliminate restrictions, not add them, and you plan for the future, you continue vaccina you know, voluntary vaccinations, and you plan for the future uh, in case there might be a reoccurrence or whatever. Well, nobody is, vac is mandating uh, vaccines. I mean, everyone is li lifting restrictions in this context, uh, except for the few that are scared uh, about even a tiny rise in the number of cases in, in, uh, versus the what happened historically uh, with the COVID uh, uh, pandemic. Uh, but uh, so that's why instead, you know, Indiana University is doubling down, imposing a rights violating mm -hmm. requirement on the least vulnerable people in the whole United States and the world, which are college age students to any adverse effect. This makes no sense. Jim, thank you for joining us. Your appeal, you're appealing this tomorrow in the Circuit Court of Appeals. We're just about out of time, but I want to make sure we got that information out there, correct? Yes, we are. And we're asking for an emergency injunction to prevent this uh, uh, mandate from going into effect uh, on uh, August the 15th. All right. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. Thanks for your work here. Take care. Uh, really quick, just to, the reason I wanted to get to the question of, of whether the judge accepted the premise that the state can just unilaterally do this is because we're in a situation here, as, as Jim has point, pointed out with his data on smallpox, the threat level isn't even close to commiserate. We're also dealing with non-fully FDA-tested and authorized vaccines. We're, we're also dealing with a completely different vaccination technology that, when tried before, has shown almost really no meaningful efficacy, uh, that we don't really know the long-term side effects of injecting that into people. By the time this case got to the Supreme Court in 1905, we had the cowpox vaccine for smallpox was developed in 1796. I mean, this this debate about whether people should be using this cowpox vaccine had raged for longer than a century. All right. We're sitting here. We're not even through a calendar year of this mass vaccination program yet without knowing what the long term ramifications are. If the judge accepts the premise with all of those matters of fact Un, un, incontrovertible and stated and still says that the state at any point can just choose to inject you or force this upon you if they want to, then there really is, he doesn't really truly believe really in any limit of state power then, whether Trump appointed him or not. You just described Australia. In what yes. Just saw. yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's, there, there's, there's a scenario. Let's say if it's literally the zombie virus turning people into zombies but you have a, a an inoculation of some sort. Is that a situation where I'd be okay with forced quarantine and maybe forced vaccination? Yeah. Um, last I checked, this is not turning people into zombies. This is not the end of the world. This is not uh, the day after tomorrow. Um, so in that case, the, the, the judge's ruling is just And yet bogus. the government's power sustains. Yeah. That's scary. Hour two is next. Back with hour two, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. 
Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. That's Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Parlor. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're looking for clips of the show that you can sample for free and are censorship-free, go to Rumble.com slash Show Again, Rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. If you like the podcast, then we are looking for you to please, if you haven't done so yet, hit the subscribe button, leave us a five-star review. The more of you that do those two things, the more it helps our cozy little program to continue to explosively grow. That's also why we want to thank all of you, the thousands of you that have done those things for us already. You have contributed to that growth, and for that, we are very, very grateful. We'll get into Theology Thursday here in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about my friends at My Patriot Supply. If you are concerned that the next big crisis could be on the horizon, you know, we would have looked nuts, sounded nuts if we would have sit here a year and a half ago and warned people to go to My Patriot Supply and make sure you're stocked up on toilet paper and hand sanitizer. People would have thought you're crazy. And then... It couldn't happen here, happened. The next time it couldn't happen here, happens, who knows what it'll be. It might be food. Uh, That's why you want to stockpile their emergency food from My Patriot Supply, the nation's original Patriot preparedness company with food that stays fresh for up to 25 years with proper storage. Over 41,000 four- and five-star reviews. Not bad for a company that's only been around for since uh, about, uh, what, 13 years or so. That's That's a lot of satisfied customers, and you can right now save 25% off their popular four-week food food kit, I should say, that gives you 2,000-plus calories a day. Their four-week food kit, 2,000-plus calories a day. Uh, You'll get 25% off when you go to their website, preparewithdace, D-E-A-C-E, preparewithdace.com. Again, that is preparewithdace.com. One last quick thought on the conversation we just had with the uh, attorney representing the Indiana college students and their families against the university, Indiana University's vaccine mandate. The premise of the argument matters greatly here, as it does in every argument. I believe you have a right to bodily autonomy. Well, Steve, what about abortion? You're pro-life. See, I don't believe that's your body. I think it's another body. It's another person. That's why I've made personhood arguments throughout my pro-life career as an activist and as a broadcaster, because anything else, and I get into the argument of your own bodily autonomy. If it's not a person, because I believe in bodily autonomy, if it's not a person, I would not justify telling you what you have to do with just an unviable tissue mass in your body, right? Right. If you don't want it, you don't have to have it. Except what if it's not an unviable tissue mass? What if it's a person? It's really the only argument I think we have against abortion. Anything else, and we're kind of arguing the premise of the abortionist. It's really hard to argue bodily autonomy and be pro-life unless you're making the argument that that is a life, it is a person with its own merit and therefore rights. Here, I believe in bodily autonomy as a principle. I don't believe it's an absolute. We were having a conversation during the break. If we had a patient zero somewhere for a disease that was highly um, transmissible with a high CFR, would I be fine with quarantining that patient zero? I would. Because your bodily, because to me, that's a right to life thing. Your bodily autonomy 
is threatening the bodily autonomy of others. But we need a threat level in order to say that the, the life, the, the preservation of life supersedes your bodily autonomy. Bodily autonomy is not the highest principle. How do we know that? Well, because I don't have a bodily autonomy to steal from you. Do I? Can I break into your home and take your stuff? No. We have a crime for that, right? Yes. Okay. Do I have a bodily autonomy to take my body, my hands, and 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 slap uh, women around if I want to? No. Or anybody else for that matter? No. No. So when my bodily autonomy gets in the way of another's bodily autonomy, right? Right. That is when we regulate your bodily autonomy as a principle. That's why back to the abortion issue, is it a person or not, is the only It's the prime directive and really the only question. Because the only limits we put on bodily autonomy is when your bodily autonomy imposes on someone else's. And so if me removing this unviable tissue mass is removing actually not an unviable tissue mass, but a human being with its own DNA, own heartbeat, own brain, own signature, etc., then I'm imposing on their bodily autonomy with my own, right? Correct. And that would be murder. Well, Steve, that's the whole point to mask mandates and everything else, which is why we have been so fixated on data on this show for the last year and a half. Does the data show the threat level is worthy of saying that the right to life takes and supersedes over bodily autonomy? Like in the Ten Commandments, killing is worse, committing murder is is listed before stealing, right? Yes. Which implies what? There's a hierarchy of values. There's a hierarchy of values. Right. The data doesn't show that. And see, that's why the premise of the judge matters. If we start from the premise of believing in an individual's bodily autonomy, then we look for the data that shows whether or not this threat of acknowledging bodily autonomy reaches enough of the potential lives of other people to justify suspending it because the, pr- the principle of life is higher on the scale, a hierarchy of values than the principle of bodily autonomy, right? Right. But does the data show that? No. Shows all the exact opposite. And it has for a and long And it has time. for a very long time. Todd is right. So then we're, the judge is now operating from the premise that the state can just disabuse your bodily autonomy regardless of threat level. Whatever it wants to do, with whatever it wants to do it with. That's really the premise he's asserting. That ought to scare the hell out of you, literally. That's why I had Jim on the show, because when I saw the way this rule, especially when I saw how this ruling went, I booked him before that. But this could be the, the ruling we look back on or our children look back on. As it's a Dred the, Scott level y- event. Yes. In fact, I would argue in some respects it might be worse. Because the Supreme Court in Dred Scott may be the worst decision in the history of the court until Roe v. Wade. Or it's they're at least together mm-hmm. on the same line. The court at least just decided we don't care that Dred Scott's a person. We don't care. We just we just like enslaving people. In this case the judge didn't even bother to look at really to consider the arguments on the merit of the threat level. He just said, well, they've got the right to do this, I think. It's the state. It can. Yeah. That's it. So actually, now that I game theory this out, it's, it's basically is the same argument as Dred Scott. You present all these evidence that this is a human person. 
all the there and therefore what the Constitution says back to the Fifth Amendment. We didn't have a Fourteenth Amendment yet at Dred Scott. But the Fifth Amendment has very similar language. No person is denied life, liberty, or property without due process of law. That's been in the Bill of Rights from the beginning. The court looked at a person. He could breathe. He could speak. He could think. Fully developed and still just said and looked at what the Constitution said uh, should be conferred as rights upon such an individual and just decided we, we don't care. We, we just like slaves. And that's and, what they want to turn you into. And that, that's exactly what this Trump appointed judge said. You can provide all the efficacy arguments and everything else. In the end, I think this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna side. It would have been one thing if he would have ruled. You guys make some good points, but I disagree with your data about the seriousness and transmissibility of the virus. It would have been one thing if he did that. Correct. I agree. He'd still. He'd be still wrong. be wrong. But at least we're at least having the right argument now. We're at least in the realm of some form of Americanism here. That we can, okay, because we're at least on the right track of argument, even if he's on the wrong side of it. He basically argued the Dred Scott argument. I don't, I don't care. The state just gets to do to you whatever it wants to do to you. Period. At least in the Dred Scott case, they just said that about people with a certain level of uh, melanin in their, in, in, in their skin tone. Or is it lack thereof? I can never remember. Uh, this Trump appointed judge said they can just do that to everybody, regardless of who your ancestors yep. were and when they arrived and whether it was on a boat or of their own free will or Ellis Island or the, it doesn't matter. They can just do this to anybody, period. That should scare the hell out of you. That's Trump appointed judge, by the way. Let's get to Theology Thursday. I've selected three notes here from individuals Individual women in our audience, I, I wasn't like looking for chicks. I just thought all three of them were compelling notes and they just all happened to be from women. The chicks found you. They, <laughs> nice. For the first time. <laughs> yes. For the first time, the chicks found me. Yes. It took many, many years. Wish it wouldn't might have happened 30 years ago in high school more often, but I guess we'll take it now. Yes. Uh, but I thought these three notes were just interesting in, in and of their own right. As we try to add some diversity if you will, to Theology Thursday. We've had weeks we've gone hardcore in depth. We've had weeks where we've looked at it philosophically, practically, uh, personally. This is going to be another one. Let's look at all this practically. What does it mean to live this thing out with the cultural challenges in front of us? Let's look at all three of these. Let's start with Erica. Erica says, I'm a big fan of the show. My sister sent me a link to your show back in March of 2020. Bought me a Blaze TV subscription for my birthday. Needless to say, I, I'm hooked. I rarely miss a show. I love you guys as frankness, endless pursuit of truth, and the camaraderie you guys have as godly men. Thank you. I have a 20-year-old daughter. Todd, this is going to be right in your wheelhouse. Get ready. Very bright and ambitious. She has a strong Christian faith. She is an NCAA Division II cross-country track runner for a small university. I have felt very lucky about, uh, very lucky because despite the push and all the clinics held on her campus, she has managed to avoid getting the vaccine. Last year's seasons were very restricted because of COVID, but with frequent testing and typical COVID protocols, she was able to have some form of a season. However, as we were driving back from picking uh, some furniture up for her new apartment, she received an email about COVID from her coach addressing the vaccine and testing and quarantine protocols for the upcoming season. They are not requiring the vaccine, but it was clear those vaccinated and those who are not will be treated differently. It was devastating to hear and my heart sank knowing all along that we would have to have this conversation eventually. 
We had some place we needed to be, so the heated discussion was short. I told her that this virus is not a huge threat to her, but I was nervous about the vaccine because I am worried it might take away her ability to have children in the future or even to run in the future. Running has always been a part of our lives, and I don't want that taken away from her either. I've had some friends whose kids would be devastated if they make it to who have gotten. Sorry, I've had some friends whose kids have gotten the vaccine and are now having heart issues as they're trying to train for upcoming seasons. She said she would be devastated if they made it to nationals again and she somehow gets quarantined. Of course, they talk about quarantines for those who test positive for COVID without the vaccine, but not if you've had the vaccine. It was a, a it was a long email from them, but I think if you're not vaccinated, they will make you test before every competition. The struggle is real. She's 20 and young and talented and wants to compete at the highest levels possible, but also is starting to think about her future. And I can tell she's very torn about what to do. I was curious you guys' take on this. Again, thanks uh, for, for listening to me from Erica. Todd, I'm going to just pass this on to you because this is a conversation going on in the Erzin family right now. So you've got a first-person account of all of this. Yeah, and you're already locked in to a place in a location. Did you say the state? I don't, I'm, I don't want to— She's in Indiana. Well, boy, that's cosmic considering yes. what we just talked about. Yeah. Because, but listen, uh, Purdue— uh, was uh, got into the game fairly late and started uh, recruiting my uh, daughter, and they came out recently. Obviously, there's something in the water in Indiana because Notre Dame is doing this too. Purdue said every student has to, uh, uh, every everybody who every reporter. That's what it was. Yeah, any reporter who wanted to cover the Purdue athletic program had to get vaccinated. I mean, they're they're losing their damn minds over there. So uh, the states that my daughter is looking at going to school in are, are are doing as well as anybody on the COVID sanity front, but I'm ready and willing to tell my daughter, A, first of all, I'm, I rose you to be an adult, and you are going to be making adult a lot of adult uh, decisions. Uh, but on this one, I'm telling you, uh, don't do it. Absolutely don't do it. I'll support you in any way I need to on this one. Um, I can't make you not do it. I mean, and I don't need to. She, I, I don't think she would be torn uh, on this. But listen, if right now, you've, if you mention just testing, fine. I'll do your dog and pony show and mock them while you do it. I, do not do this. You're not, your heart, your ovaries, your mind, the, this place has been seen to park in all parts of the body and cause things that cannot be explained. Yet, do not let your daughter be a guinea pig on this. Let's go to the next one. One immediate family member and one babysitter attempted suicide over the pandemic lockdowns, both girls, ages 12 and 15. A friend of mine's son, a boy age 15, also attempted suicide. It's rampant. Therapists, especially pediatric specialists, are inundated. I can tell you this. My, my wife is just about done with her internship. She begins professionally at a Christian counseling ministry here in about a month. And they're turning people away. And she said they, they could just sit around and just be doing teenagers, all of them, everybody in that office, all day long. There's so much mental health need right now. Um, therapists, especially pediatric specialists, are inundated. Appointments are hard to get in some cases. They're turning people away at my wife's firm because they don't have the space. I felt helpless and confused and overwhelmed. 
watching what was going on with our kids. Because of your show and your theme this year, I decided to form a girls growth support group at my house. We meet monthly, have guest speakers on topics ranging from depression to effective communication and boundaries. This month, we're, we work, we're working out, we play games and karaoke in an attempt to bring joy back into the girls' lives. Masks are strictly prohibited. It's amazing how seeing faces had an immediate, immediate positive impact on the girls. But there was some social hesitation strain because of the prolonged face diapering. Bottom line is, I was hesitant to do anything at all, because what difference could I possibly make and on what scale? Would it even matter? Your show and commentary encouraged me just to do something, anything. It is a success, and now we have a good-sized group of girls and women who come each month, and I can't wait to see where it goes. I love all three of you and have hope because of you guys' show. Sincerely, ready for this? Dr. Julia Narborg in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thoughts on that note? Hallelujah. I mean, that's that's awesome. That That's the type of attitude that it takes. What did we talk about? And I think Todd was out for our Independence Day special. And the, 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 the clip, the little cartoon that we play every single year of Caesar Rodney. Can one person make a difference? And I posited this year, that's not the right question to be asking. The answer is the same to the other question. The other question is, must one person make a difference? The answer is yes to that. You have to. You don't have a choice. It's not up for debate. Whatever that looks like, you have to make a difference, whether it's on a very small and and neighborhood-wide scale or whether it's in your community or whether you have the opportunity to run for state house or for a federal office uh, you have to make a difference some way, somehow. You don't have a choice anymore. We don't have that luxury anymore. You know, if we had a lot more of the individual that just, that just, um, that we just heard from, that just met people where they were, young people, I, I would, I dare, dare say in, in 10, 15 years, this place would look a lot different. Well, there's a couple things, I think, you were alluding to there, Dan, listen to this. Hey, uh, she's a doctor. And this is in one of the states that on this is among the more free and lucid. Mm-hmm. Yet there is still this level of hesitancy. And that's that's the problem because that's that's not fundamentally. And a lot of people, even... The ones pushing back think it still is. Think it's this is still fundamentally a COVID issue. It's it, it is not. You were so ripe for the picking in so many ways. Even though, and not necessarily you, doctor, but uh, so-called conservatives across America, the lies you've been telling yourself about what this game of politics was really for, for the punches you pulled, and then this thing COVID came along. And in so many ways, you really stood for absolutely nothing other than your fear. If your fear was the only thing driving your principles, you really didn't have any principles before COVID. You just, you just didn't. Principles are the things that stand. They don't go away. So that, that, that's the issue. We, we cannot continue to be simply 
little pockets here and there surviving and expect this to go well for us. We were already little pockets here and there surviving before COVID came along. Now is a flag planter time. It's a, a total game changer about who you decide you're going to the be, be in the face of tyranny. That's it. Let's share one more. This is from Jen. I've become a regular listener, fan of you guys' show the last few months. I've read Fauci and Bargain, find it refreshing and encouraging to know that someone in the media is pushing back against COVID, COVID stand and the scary elk that accompanies it. It's helped me become much braver over the course of listening to your show. <clears throat> and the conversations you guys have with Todd or you have with Todd and Aaron has helped me to do things like remove the useless Chinese face diaper, argue logic to COVID worshipers and resist the experimental inje injection. I write to you, though, because my resolve against the injection is wavering. My kid's school is considering masks optional for students this school year. However, outside volunteers would have to show proof of vaccination or be masked to volunteer. As a volunteer, one of the worst parts of this of the last year was being unable and unwelcome to volunteer at their schools. A neighboring district is leaning towards mask required for all students if a larger percentage of parents don't start getting vaccinated. I will never volunteer and submit to the mask, and I hate the thought of my unvaccinated status being used to cause greater suffering to children in the form of potential forced masking again in school. I am so tired of children being made to suffer at the altar of COVID stand. I may be willing to do the previously unthinkable. I feel like I'm going to have to get this injection sooner or later, so why not now, so I can be free to do this one thing I really enjoy doing and that had very positive effects on my children. To be clear, I do not want the shot, but I'm being cornered here. What say you? So here's why I picked all three of these notes, okay? Because all three of them, and, all, and I mean this to all three of the sisters emailing us here, okay? When I say we, I'm talking we, not the three you, all of us here on this third rock from the sun. The greatest struggle we have when it comes to our own sinfulness is with idolatry. This is why the first commandment is, I am God, and the second commandment is, don't make other gods. The first commandment is a statement of, I am God, therefore you are not, you're a sinner. That's a, that's a commandment of your positioning. The second commandment is, therefore, don't make other gods. Meaning, when, when, it, when you realize that you're, you cannot overcome your own sinfulness, do not create alternative systems in order to uh, medicate or provide you a, a fake religious uh, experience that you somehow have overcome your own sinfulness. No, you haven't. Don't do that. Turn to me instead. Don't turn away. In recognition of your own sinfulness, do not turn away, but turn to me. We can make good things idols. Francis Schaeffer is one of the greatest thinkers the Christian church produced in the 20th century. My next book will be inspired by one of his seminal works. He also raised someone who has spent his entire adult life, Frankie, doing everything he can to undermine and embarrass the church and his father's message and mission. Ronald Reagan was one of the greatest presidents we ever had. He went 0 for 2 on children with Nancy Reagan. One, just a, a, an elementary level intellect of an atheist, not even a good one, like I respect, like a Sam Harris. So I'm like, if we ever got Sam Harris on the show, I'd be like, oh, make sure I'm coming correct today. 
right? We're playing, this is the show, let's go. You tell me, hey, Ron Reagan Jr.'s on tomorrow, man, I'll be outside putting down a pack of cool menthols and kick my feet up and I'll just show up like I do every other day, five minutes for the show starts. Because as, as, as a certain uh, man who gave birth to all of our jobs once said, with half my brain tied behind my back on that one, okay? The daughter, Nancy, was, uh, tried to embarrass her dad to the point of posing nude in Playboy while he was president. How many great men, how many great men lost their families in the process of building great empires, of doing great works? That's a tale as old as time. They turned their mission at times. They turned their, their calling at times into an idol because it's, where it, it's, it's ultimately where they got their meaning came from that. Which we're, the reason why we're talking about forced vaccination for something that has nowhere near the threat level that justifies even having this conversation is because that's their idol. You're fighting their idolatry. What do you mean the state isn't supreme? I, the state is in whom I live and breathe. The state is who tells me what is right and wrong. The state is where I get my meaning. People flashing around vaccination cards earlier this year. I'm vaccinated. Shout your vaccination. Not any different than shout your abortion. I'm one of the special people. That's why the arguments of data and stuff just rolls off the duck's back. They don't care. I want the validation. We can turn things like volunteering after school and serving people into an idol. I watched someone I know in my family once, I think, kind of turned church service into an idol. They volunteered for everything. Anything that gives us our ultimate sense of worth and meaning beyond God. Did I say any sense of worth and meaning? No. No. What's the word I used? Ultimate. And, and you know when you're crossing this line, when you start making calculations about justifications for it that's when you're beginning to get all that that you're essentially saying to yourself if i don't get to do this or i don't get this i'll be less of a person i'll have less worth no you won't now that doesn't mean i'm telling you not to go get any of these people to get the reason i included doctor uh, the doctors because to me she's overcoming her idolatry that, that she's she's acting on data as opposed to the propaganda being fed to her yes. in her industry every single day. Okay, this is really important because no matter what you and I have done with her, I and you don't care at all. If I don't. You go get I don't. vaccinated. I don't. But I don't. You desperately care that I do. Hey, I'm the one. I'm the one that shared the decoupling data from the UK yesterday. That that was pretty pro vaccination over there. Okay, I don't. I we care about the reasons people do things. Okay. The reasons people do things. I'm not even saying it's idolatry to get vaccinated so you can serve in the school. I don't know. Might be an act of great sacrifice. There might be one particular special needs kid there that only you can that only somehow relates to you. A kid on the spectrum that only somehow relates to you. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't know. A good friend of ours got vaccinated. She didn't want to do it, but her mom is ninety something and in a home. That yes. was the only way she says it. God bless you, sister. Yeah. Yes. Just. But I'm only bringing this up and I only use these three notes because these are really questions of where is our meaning found in life? 
Where is our purpose found in life? A friend of mine, I don't always agree with politically, was given a great business offer recently. And I encouraged him to take it. He told me today, he's not taking it. He just realized that in order for it to be successful, he'd have to give it more time than he wanted to. And it would take away from family time and other business things that he's doing. So he's not doing it. I'm like, dude, props. He didn't make the decision I urged him to make. You know what my response was when he told me this morning? Dude, props to you for thinking it through like that and making a lifestyle decision. It's probably not a decision I would have made. I mean, I would have tried to find some way to figure my way through it because it was such a good opportunity. But I respect the method by which you went through your decision-making process. And maybe in this case, if I had done that, that had been an idol for me. We have to battle our hearts or idolatry making, our idol-making factories, folks. We got to battle this constantly. That's the real virus. Okay, that is the real virus here. This is the virus we manifest, and boy, are there are endless variants, okay? <laughs> so I, I share these three notes. I have no specific counsel for any of you because I'm not God. My counsel to you as a fellow believer with a microphone in front of his face is to constantly ask yourself questions of, why do I need this? Why am I doing this? Do I really need this? Do I really need to do this? Just do that. Is this glorifying God? Just constantly ask yourself that. And then, and then it won't so much be about the decisions you made, but the motivations for those decisions. If you have been struggling with chronic pain, I'm not talking about, oh no, I, you know, uh, sprained my ankle uh, on a crack in the driveway. Let me take Omega XL. No, 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 no. You probably need, um, what do they call it? Elevation, um, ice. There's like a whole, you know this from a family of runners, but like there's a whole combination of like treatments they give you for those kinds of things, right? Or you were like just walking around or something the other day, right? And threw your back out or yes. something because we're getting old now. I sneezed. Yeah, that, right. If that happened, that then no, that's an injury, Okay, Uh, take appropriate action or get appropriate medical care. But if we're talking about the chronic variety, meaning because we're old now, you didn't sneeze or there was no event. It's just you get up every morning now and your lower back's a little stressed out or your neck is stiff. That is what we mean by signs of chronic pain. Chances are the result that is the result of inflammation. That's why you want to look for a clinically researched, backed by 35 years of clinical research, all natural anti-inflammatory that I use called Omega XL. And right now you can give it a shot uh, to take on that pain and stiffness and achiness in your joints and in certain problematic parts of your body with a buy one, get one free offer available at OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Again, that's OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Buy one, get one free at OmegaXL.com slash Steve, or you can call them at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. And now it is time for three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. So so our mics weren't off. My bad. No, no. That one's on me. It's okay. I demerit myself. That was my fault. (laughs) Man, I wish you guys could have heard what he had to say. 
you're really missing out when the microphones are turned off. Really exciting. Yeah, indeed. I just wanted to make sure I had all the live reads right. That was the titillating no, conversation. No, that was the super. Se- okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, question number one: What event could cause collegiate athletics to collapse? You're watching it. Football's Ragnarok. Um. It happened. I, I, I don't like what's happening, but I don't think that'll cause it to collapse at all. Um, you're talking about the Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC thing. We're talking collegiately or pro? You said college, right? Collegiate. Yeah. Collegiate. Okay. Uh, I actually, I, I think it's actually politics could do it. I think arguments about as much as I love the old, I grew up with, I love college football because of the tradition. I I I just don't think Texas and Oklahoma need to make that much more money in the SEC when they get every accommodation they could possibly want in the league they're already in and maintain some form of tradition at the same time. And your brand, Todd, of course you should be sensitive. This is a baseball fan because you're watching the grand old game has spent the last few years essentially abandoning it, not having faith in its traditions and trying to figure out its 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 place in the pecking order and trying to improve it monetarily, right? But I, but the game is still overall pretty strong. It's not as strong as it was in, in 1955 or 1978 during the Big Red Machine or 1984 when, you know, I was wearing my throwback Tigers jersey yesterday or 1982 when you were a little, uh, you know, pipsqueak rooting for Harvey's Wallbangers or whatever they were called nice. back. In, yes. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's, not, it's not what it was then. But overall, we're still talking about one of the 15 or 20 most lucrative um, businesses in the United States of America, right? Right. This won't ruin college football from a from a business or make it have a Ragnarok. I think it's I think it's a silly materialistic pursuit that undermines its overall traditions. But in the end, I think people will still, myself included, figure out a way to make it work because you just love your team so much. I think what could really threaten it is the politicization of it. If if we and I th- and we had some I thought tremors early on of this last year, the idea that Oklahoma State coach Mike Gundy could not even wear an OAN shirt, and now we've got a fifty-some odd year old man in a mullet right, making a ridiculous apology for being insensitive to his players for wearing the wrong news network shirt around them. Um. A few years ago, Dabo Sweeney was going to appear at a, uh, a a banquet from a pro family group in South Carolina, and had to had to uh, step aside because of their quote anti LGBTQ agenda for believing that marriage is between a man and a woman. I remember years a few about ten years ago, Tim Tebow was going to speak at Robert Jeffress's church. Now this is before Trump and before Jeffress just went full out, you know, Trump humper, but. Uh, I remember there was, and I went to battle against the guy at the time. There was a CBS sports writer named Greg Doyle, who I think has moved to a local newspaper now, talking about how, uh, you know, Tebow wants to go speak to a hate group. That stuff, I think, because you're watching it happen with the NBA right now. The whole thing with social justice in China. That it, that it won't just, and when I say politicization, I don't mean like player college football players kneeling or marching for Black Lives Matter. Um, I think that will that annoys and offends people, but I don't think that's a Ragnarok level event. The Ragnarok level event comes when you're told 
you don't get to be a fan of us unless you agree with our agenda or you're, you're, when we use our platform to tell you what a terrible person you are for not supporting our agenda. That's what's going on in the NBA. The NFL hasn't crossed that line yet, but to me, I think on a collegiate level, that's what it could be. I think, I think for example, the debate last year about the eyes of Texas at the University of Texas, the, that ties into what I'm talking about. I think that's far more threatening to the future of college football than Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. It might not be the college football you like. It might not be what we grew up with. It wouldn't be what I would like, but there's still going to be tons of interest in that. But now we're going to sit there and say, hey, all of a sudden you're a racist. So I guess Earl Campbell was a ra- was, was just was an Uncle Tom then when he sang this song in the 70s, winning the Heisman. See, that's the stuff because this is now when you're peeing in your own uh, in, in your own well now. You're poisoning your own well. And I think that stuff threatens it more than anything else. If they if it goes, if it gets weaponized at that level, that would be my answer. My, my, it wasn't. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma. It was name, image, and likeness, and I. But mm. I do think. Okay. But I think that's happening. A bunch of colleges are acting with the maturity of a bunch of eighteen-year-olds who won't be able to say no. Honestly, I think they're jealous. They're like, "What? All these kids are going to get theirs. I want mine too." Uh, there's no uh, grown-uping here at all. And now we we see just as I know, there's triple X companies offering money to people. There's so much wealth that will be thrown around with people who care about nothing than what they want. It has nothing to do holistically uh, with the primary purposes of education, of which sports is supposed to be part of that primary purpose as the Greek gymnasiums from the Greek mind, body, soul, all combined. Uh, The joke is on us. It has started. This won't go well unless it's stopped. It is going to... It, something called college football will uh, perhaps exist, but it will be entirely professionalized. It won't have anything to do with these uh, these uh, athletes being part of the student body. Um, I don't... This, is, this isn't going anywhere good. I think the Ragnarok-level event will happen. Um, so one is the politicization, which is what you just mentioned, but the step after that is the politicization of the actual 60 minutes of playing time. We're going to start changing the game based on, well, this is racist or this is bigoted. Yeah. We're going to eliminate kickoff, whatever. I don't... Okay, guys, you think this sounds ridiculous? We are two steps away from that. That stuff's happening at the academia on these university campuses. Precisely. Yeah. Uh, Math is racist now. Well, uh, how about a flag route is racist now? For some reason... Guys, this, this sounds stupid. A lot of the stuff we talk about this month sounded stupid in January. So I think that's what's really going to do it in. Question two. If you are setting up a new church, which biblical figures besides Jesus would you appoint to be the lead pastor, the worship pastor, and the youth pastor? I will begin so you can think about Mm. this just a little bit. I'm going totally Old Testament. Lead pastor, I'm going with Abraham. Worship pastor, I'm going with David, although hopefully he keeps his clothes on. And uh, for the youth pastor, I'm going with Elisha, because if they get out of line. (laughs) Nice. Those are good answers. uh, What's the distinction in your guys's backyard between the lead pastor and the worship pastor? Worship pastor would be irresponsible for music, primarily. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Part of this question was just seeing what Todd's reaction would be. 
Uh. Hey, I want to remind everybody we are the rightless, R-I-T-E, rightless, um, and uh, relicless, um, uh, uh, perfectly biblically uh, aligned Protestant church. So up yours, Urza. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you want to answer next? You want me to go? I obviously need a little. All right, I'll go. All right. I mean, for for lead pastor, I'm going Augustine. Biblical figures. Oh, you said biblical? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Other Sorry. than Christ? Other than Christ. Okay. Then for lead pastor, really? Because I was going to make Calvin the youth minister oh, just to go on yeah. and on and on preemptively <laughs> answering all their objections for hours and make those little snot-nosed teenagers sit there the whole time and listen to him, tell them how totally depraved they are. But if it's got to be explicitly biblical figures, then for, uh, I'm good. At, I mean, David as worship leader is a is a is an obvious one. Uh, I'm going to go with Paul then as the uh, as the lead pastor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then for the youth minister, um, I love the idea of Isaiah. Oh yeah. But I'm or I'm sorry of Elijah. I meant. But I'm actually going to go with Peter. Yeah. Because I think he can express and identify with youthful impetuousness and both its its benefits and its negatives. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and provide some some um, uh, first person context to those things. Sure. Okay. Uh, lead pastor, Amos, you know, just a shepherd, or just a, you know, or what, not a, not a supremely cultured guy just coming in from the fields and just telling all the, uh, the spoiled folk were too far. So I, I'm going, yeah, I'm going grunge. How about the worship pastor, Samson, bringing some edge to, uh, uh, to the music? This would be the biblical equivalent of Iron Maiden. Yes. <laughs> as your as your church choir. Yes. Going to be a lot of Bible verses in there somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yes. And then uh, the youth pastor. Wow. The youth pastor has got to be... Uh, um, Moses, there, there'd be some long marches through the desert. We're not, you know, we're not just doing like crafts here. No, we're going to hurt. We're going to bleed today, kids. Oh man. That's one of the favorite questions that I've ever asked. Todd just went for like a triumvirate of suffering. (laughs) Yes. If that is not without, without you, Catholic. I was just going to say, if there's a way to be on brand Catholic without invoking Peter's name, brother, you just did it. I know. Suffering, 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 okay? I took the homework seriously, Aaron. Thank you very much. Uh, Final question, number three. Uh, This is slightly political, I guess, if you want to make it that way. Which member of the squad would you most want to invite over for dinner and why? Is this like the PG version of Jesse Kelly's 10 Hottest? Basically, God, yeah. Geez. Well, not not in that respect. Yeah, Ilana Omar on that list. I, I agree. I mean, that is a good-looking woman. All right? But, the, you know, the, the most poisonous snakes are often the prettiest ones, too, right? Which member of the squad would I invite over? Oh, wow. I mean, wow. Such awful people. Um, Such so it's Rashida Talib, AOC, mm-hmm. Ilan Omar. Who's the fourth? I'm forgetting. Um, Presley. Presley. That's right. Okay. I, I guess I will go with AOC because I have some evidence that at some point in time in her life, remember that dance video from college from a couple of years ago? 
I have some evidence that at some point in time in her life, she was not merely an ideological construct. But like someone who is like a regular person, I might have some level of common ground she was, with. She's an average millennial, which means she is an ideological construct. And, and hence my yeah. disgust at even answering this question. Yeah. That's why if, if, this was, if, this, if this was a way to get Steve Dace to invest in the lesser of two evils, this question, uh, you did it. You did it. Yes. All right, let me tell everybody. I'll give Todd, I'll give you another minute to think about this. While I tell everybody about realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, you want to make sure during these unprecedented times Bing. that you go into the real estate market with an agent who will come in and take charge of your situation. And they've got the confidence to do that with a proven track record of success. But at the same time, they need to remember that you are the one who is ultimately in charge here. Now, where would you find that kind of an agent? Well, the name kind of says it all. Head over to realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. Just about anywhere in the country you are looking to either escape from or to we can probably find you the real estate agent you're looking for, one that you can trust, one that has a track record, proven track record of success at realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, now you're up. I think Presley, just to see if she wears the wig or not. It's a pretty good reason. Um, just to be sure these are all bad reasons, because these are all bad options. This was the Kobayashi yeah. Maru. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, yeah. that's why I took a very deep <laughs> teenage-like sigh. Yes. Um, I also would go with AOC. With those other three, they, there's just like there's a greater deal of seething and just blind hatred of the other. I think with AOC, there's still a little bit of a conscience there, just a little bit, because I I don't know. I I just I would want to see if that's real or not. With those other three, it's just blind. Blind hatred of the other. Yeah, to me, I think AOC is a construct of of a women's, W-O-M-Y-N-S, women's studies program at every left-wing school in America. The other three are... Incarnations. Are are incarnations of the women's studies programs at these places. Like, we couldn't... I cannot imagine how I could could sit down with with Presley and have any other... She would permit any other conversation. You could get through that facade right right and since i'm not related to ilan omar i have no idea how to get through her facade (laughs) all right any final thoughts guys what do you think final thoughts meaning final thoughts yes (laughs) yes i went there i can't follow it and i won't all right we're going to stick around and do a little political science lesson for our subscribers here in overtime. For the rest of you, we are back at it again tomorrow at noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.